0: Is this the Owens residence? I'm Mr. Belvedere.
1: Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere, a Mr. Belvedere podcast. I am Angela Bowen, and welcome to The Weekend. Yeah, you know, uh, we're getting some poopy weather here, and this sounds like a great time to delve into the episode, Season 2, Episode 2, Tornado, which aired on October 4th, eight, October 4th, 1985. In this episode, a tornado that strikes Beaver Falls adds to the tension between George and Mr. Belvedere, after Mr. Belvedere takes it upon himself to edit a story George is writing. Things reach ahead when a tornado forces everyone in the base into the basement, and a pool contest begins between George and Belvedere, and neither one of them will allow something like the weather to interfere with their competition. What can I say other than it's April, and you know with the changing weather from it going cold to warm and back again? thunderstorms happen, tornadoes happen, also in May sometimes this also happens, and here where I'm at right now, we are due, well, we're not due, but apparently we're going to be hit with a storm tomorrow, possibly with a mix of ice and rain, I'm not looking forward to it, I pray the power doesn't go out, but... Season 2 episode 2, Tornado, is actually the first of two season 2 George Owens-centered episodes that I picked. So we open up the episode, the cold open opens with George at the kitchen table typing away at a typewriter, writing a story as he's a sports writer. Belvedere comes in the back door and he's like, hello George, good morning. And George is busy Writing this story, of course, Belvedere gets it right. George did wait to the last minute to finish the story that's clearly due today on sports players and drug use. As George asks Belvedere, well how do you spell your analysis? So this must have been a really big thing back in the eighties with uh, drug use, use of steroids with, like, baseball players and other things like that. Why would you wait to the last minute, George? I know I procrastinate as much as the next person. I'm a guilty party here. But when it comes to your job as a sports writer and you went, this isn't high school. You can't just swap this off to the last second. I gotta hurry. I gotta be at the office in 20 minutes. Are you just starting this? Oh my goodness gracious sake! He's got a legal pad next to him, so that's probably all the notes that he's taken as he's and he's typing on a typewriter, guys. This is not a computer. You make a mistake, you're kind of screwed, and you gotta start all over again. And Belvedere's like, "Don't worry, you'll get it done like you always do. It'll be fine." George says, "I have to be in Ohio in an hour." They live in Pennsylvania. Uh, That is not even a possibility. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So, honey, George says he has to be in Ohio in an hour. Belvedere's like, oh, is there a warrant out? (laughs) Like, (laughs) You're not going to make that. Well, he's got to be there in an hour because he's got to interview with Joe Namath. You know what? I bet Skype would have been great back in 1985 for them. I've heard of Joe Namath. I know he's a baseball player. And Belvedere, of course, you know, he's from England. He's never heard of Joe Namath. (laughs) So when he asks, well, who is he? Belvedere just looks at him in surprise, like, he's Joe Namath. Like, that just sums it up. Like, he's Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth is Babe Ruth. Like, he's Babe Ruth. He doesn't need no explanation whatsoever. Like, you should know him just by his name alone. Wow, I just kicked myself in the ass. Joe Namath is a football player. See, guys, I don't know jack shit about sports. (laughs) Oh, see, I like that I can laugh about it. If Jeremy were here and heard me say Joe Namath, the baseball player, he would have given me the weirdest how did I marry you look. Why did I marry you look? I could see it now in my head. New York Jets, huh? Well Kevin would be all Kevin Arnold from The Wonder Years would be all over that. Joe Namath, hell yes. I guess Joe Namath's gonna be inducted into the Hall of Fame. So George is just explaining who this Joe Namath is, and he even goes to the so far as to say that Joe Namath shaved his mustache, wore pantyhose. Okay. So Belvedere goes into the living room, and this is where Wesley... It's got to be Saturday morning, Saturday af, early afternoon, because Wesley's on the couch watching cartoons. So this has got to be early, what, 6 a.m.? Because Belvedere's like, oh, what's? why are you up so early? And Wesley's like, oh, I couldn't sleep, too quiet. And, of course, Belvedere's like, oh, yeah, that, there's trouble with that around here. And Wesley turns the TV off, and he's like, hear it? There is like. And, you, I mean, you're living in a house with, like, well, if you conclude Belvedere, of course, that's six people. you think there'd always be something noise, someone talking, you know, moving around from room to room, TV, music, what have you. There's none of that. Well, that's probably because, Wesley, everyone's probably still asleep. <laughs> you and George and Belvedere are the only ones up right now. So Wesley, I guess, is not just talking about inside. He means outside as he pulls Belvedere into the doorway after he opens the door. And it's like, listen, you don't hear anything. It's like no birds are singing. No wind is rustling the trees. It's just very, very quiet. I'm going to play this clip between Belvedere and Wesley. I love their interactions together. It's so great.
2: That's yes, right.
0: it's real weird out there Ah,
2: oh, now, Wesley See? No birds, no squirrels, nothing Well, it is early Hey, maybe something happened and you and me are the last two people left on Earth
0: <laughs> Wesley, don't even joke about something like that
2: Hey, Westman Hey, Dad Finish your story?
0: Yep, just under the wire. Anyway, some kid from the paper is going to pick it up. All right, Ted. I left it on the kitchen table. It's kind of a mess. Just make sure the pages are in order. No problem.
2: Hey, Dad, when I wait this long to do my homework, I get yelled at.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Well, the thing is, it's different for grown-ups.
2: That's what Mr. Belvedere calls a double standard. <laughs>
0: Tomorrow we'll talk about what Mr. Belvedere calls
1: discretion. <laughs> <laughs> so I like how Wesley says, what if we're like the last two people on Earth? And like, uh, George is in the kitchen, so you'd be the last three people on Earth. But Belvedere's like, Wesley, don't joke about that, please. <laughs> and they come inside and then George comes through the kitchen door and he, into the living room, and he's like, all right, I finished it just under the wire, and he says the paper guy's going to come and grab it. And he mentions how, you know, the story's kind of a mess, but it's the best that he could do or something. And Wesley, of course, brings up the fact that like, you know, when I procrastinate with my homework, I get yelled at. And George just is defensively, well, it's different for adults. And, um, Wesley's like, well, Mr. Belvedere says that that's a double standard. (laughs) And, um, so George is off to Ohio, and (laughs) Belvedere kind of leans down to Wesley. He's like, okay, tomorrow we're going to talk about discretion. It's like, yeah, you kind of threw Belvedere under the bus there, kiddo. So we come out of the intro, and Belvedere is at the kitchen table. He's pretty much straightened the papers of George's story and everything. And he leans down with a pencil to correctly spell your analysis. And I kind of wonder if he ends up going through George's story and just making grammatical error changes and other little things here and there. Which, George isn't too appreciative. It's like, that's my story, that's my job, it's my work, please don't change it. So after changing your analysis, Belvedere reads over the paper and he's seen a lot of stuff that is standing out that is incorrect. And, I mean, yes, Belvedere has good intentions, but you don't correct someone's worth. That's why they probably have a proofreader before the article goes to print. Let them deal with it. I know... Belvedere's a stand-up guy, but he does have a tendency to kind of meddle in areas that he and George are on thin ice ever since the pilot, where George doesn't like Belvedere being there, but he understands that, you know, Marsha's in college and he's working, so someone has to take care of the house and the kids, so he just deals with it. But yes, I think, in a way, Belvedere is kind of overstepping his boundaries just a little bit. Well, at first, you know, he just changes your analysis, but then it's like he just reads it. And it's like, okay, he goes to walk away. But now, it's like he wants you to fix the whole thing. (laughs) So now we move from the kitchen to the living room where Wesley is once again watching television, but he's not watching cartoons. He's watching the news, The Weather Report. As we are hearing about a possible tornado, where's the rest of the family? We have not seen Marcia or Kevin or Heather. Where are they? It's Saturday. Are they up and doing their own thing, maybe? So just as I asked that question, who comes down the stairs but Marcia and Heather? And Marcia's calling for Kevin. I guess she's going to be taking them and a, you know, dropping them somewhere. And Heather's predicament here is she talking up this guy, great guy, gets straight A student, he gets um, he's really nice to her, and this and that, and is like, that's great, I'm sure he's a wonderful guy, but your dad and I would like to meet him still. And Heather's like, oh, well, can't you just wait for him to pull up in his van? His van? His van! Red flag there. I mean, no offense to anyone who teenage boy that drives a van, but In 1980s, usually a guy with a van? What does that make you think of? Yeah, a decked out back back of the van, all set up to make out and stuff and do whatever, which I'm sure... I mean, Marcia's face alone is like, when she hears the word van, it's like, oh, you're not going out with this guy, sweetie. You are not going out with this guy. So Marcia's like, oh, he has a van? And Heather's like... Yeah, he and she says, you know, he's my age and everything like that. And Marsha's like, well, wait a minute. He's 15 years old and he has a van. Uh, and no. 15 years old, you would be having a permit. You wouldn't be owning a vehicle. And then finally, Heather confesses, all right, he's 18 and he's really immature. Whoa, red flag. No, you are not going out with this guy. Mm-mm. Mom says no. going to play this clip. I love... Heather and Marcia's bantering—it's really a mother-daughter. It's really, mother, it's really—it's—it's really, it's funny. I just love it.
2: Besides, he he's a straight A student, and he likes me. He's really sweet. I'm sure he is. Come on, Cap, we're going. It's just that it would be nice if your father and I could meet him first. Oh, sure. It's just he's a little shy around grown-ups. Couldn't he just wave from his van? <laughs> Has a van? Well, it's not a van-van. I mean, it's got windows, and there isn't a bar or anything. <laughs> Heather, how old is this Randy? Oh, he's around my age. He's 15, and he has a van? Okay, he's 18, but really immature. No. I don't care if he's Victor Mature. I absolutely forbid it. <laughs> oh, hey, Kevin, who's Victor Mature? Oh, I think he was somebody at Woodstock. <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's <voice talking> <laughs> oh, I guess I didn't catch this part. So Heather says that he, this Randy ca- guy that she's into, is really shy around adults. Hmm. And she says, can't he just wave from his van? Uh. First of all, he's shy around adults. Hmm. What does that tell you? Delinquent. Delinquent. Yeah. So this, as soon as 18 and Immature comes out of Heather's mouth, Marcia is like, no, no, you are not dating this guy. You're not going anywhere with him. And she says, I don't care if he's Victor Mature. So I don't even know who Victor Mature is. As uh, Marcia Walks away from Heather and Kevin comes up. <laughs> Heather and she's like, "Who's Victor Mature?" And Kevin's like, "I don't know. Maybe he was at Woodstock." And Heather doesn't even know what Woodstock is, and that was like not even twenty years ago. And he's like, "What's Woodstock?" Oh my gosh! So Marcia is like, "Hey Wes, we're all get ready. We're all going to the mall." Like, and Wesley, of course, he's been watching the new the weather coverage. So he's like, I'm not going anywhere. There's a tornado headed in this area. I am staying right here. The family doesn't even know there's a tornado coming. No, he doesn't say tornado. He just says, I'm not going anywhere and you shouldn't either. And Kevin's like, well, wait, what are you talking about? And he starts all Wesley starts the whole we- wicked witch of the West music like da Like, yeah. See guys, this is back in the day when apparently you had to catch the stuff on the news or you had to be watching TV. They didn't have the radio on or anything like that. So they have no idea. This is before weather alerts on your phone and you know, before cell phones and stuff like that. So I'm going to play this clip. <laughs> Wesley with the whole uh, Wizard of Oz thing. Uh, the family really, Marcia and Heather are like trying not to laugh, trying not to laugh and failing at it. It's like, get to the point, Get. What about the Wizard of Oz? I don't get it. no one believes him with the whole tornado thing. Well, because they just like, why are you quoting the Wizard of Oz to us? We're getting ready to go to the mall. And that's when Belvedere comes into the living room and like, alright, no one's going anywhere. We are under an official tornado warning or watch right now. So it takes Belvedere coming in and, um, well, because Marcia at first is like, oh, you mean... Wesley, you mean your little cartoon? And he's like, Are you kidding me right now? Um no, they'll believe Belvedere before they believe Wesley. Wesley, you should have just said a tornado was coming. We didn't. I mean, great acting from um, Bryce Beckham. I loved his little impression of The Wicked Witch of the West. That was so adorable. <laughs> oh, I bet he had a fun time doing that. <laughs> So, they're in the kitchen now, and they got the radio going on that's kind of giving them updates on the progress of the path of the tornado and everything. And we hear that a uh, tornado took out a couple trailer parks, and Wesley's like, <laughs> ask Belvedere like, why are tornadoes always picking on trailer parks and trailers?" I love Belvedere's response to Wesley's question. He's like, "Well, basically, a tornado is a coward that knows that a real house would fight back." Looks like it's about lunchtime. There, so he's got some sandwiches for uh, Kevin and Wes and everybody. So where's George then? Because he was heading off, assumably to. If he's going to Ohio, then he's got to be heading to like the airport then. Tuna fish and carrot sticks. That's a healthy meal. Um, You're getting your fish, you're getting your bread, you're getting your carrot sticks. I agree with Wesley. I mean, I Wesley doesn't like tuna fish. I like it, but I haven't had it in a while because due to, I got a really icky, fishy, I mean, really, really, like that one little piece that's like overly fishy that just kind of turns you off a tuna fish for a while. Yeah, I got a piece like that. It wasn't great. I love how Kevin's like, you know, this could be our last meal. <laughs> Kevin, come on, don't be such a downer. Heather's over on the phone, trying to convince Randy that she's trying to work on her mom to get her to get her to let you know Heather see him, even though she says, you know, she's a little worried about your age because you're like eighteen, and but I'm working on her. Like Heather, you could work on her until the sun comes up, and it's not going to change her mind. Imagine if dear old dad were home right now and he heard that you wanted to go out to meet an 18-year-old and you're 15? Not gonna happen. So Marcia comes in the door. I'm not sure exactly where she went, but she did ask for if there are any news on um, George and everything. Belver just says, you know, oh, I'm sure he's fine. He's fine. And Kevin says, well, it looks like a tornado hit Newcastle. And that- Marcia's like, that's not even 50 miles from here. And Marcia notices Heather's on the phone. It's like, Heather, you need to stay off the phone. Your dad may be trying to call, okay? And Wesley, of course, okay, it was cute the first time he did it, but now he's uh da 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 with his, you know, spinning, his, spinning around looking doofus. It's like, okay, it was cute the first time, Wes, now it's just kind of annoying. Please stop. I mean, we get it. We're convinced. You do a great wicked witch. Ah, as Wesley careens into the living room. George comes through the door with a football. Are you telling me he just had that meeting? I thought he was going to Ohio. He lives in Pennsylvania. That makes zero sense. So I just looked up the Football Hall of Fame. It's in Canton, Ohio. It opened in 1963. So Victor Mature was an American stage, film, and television actor who starred most notably in several biblical movies during the 1950s. 1,000,000 BC, My Darling Clementine, Kiss of Death, Samson and Delilah, The Robe. Okay. All right, so now we cleared up that mystery. So, George has got a football behind his back. He's like, hey, guess what? I b- brought you from the Football Hall of Fame. Well, duh, it's probably a damn football. And Wes, guess this correctly, is George's face falls. Oh, uh, yeah, it's football. Here we go. No, actually, he isn't off the door. She jumps the door. You're not giving that to your kid? I'm sure he's got a few of them upstairs, but still. Was it signed by anybody? So March comes through the door, sees that George is back and gives him a hug. It's like, yeah, it's like, there's a tornado outside. If my husband came through the door after being away for a moment and it was life or death outside, I'd be rushing to hug him also. Like, you're not going anywhere until this thing is over. You're staying right here. So George gets home safely, and he's not even really concerned after Marcia tells him that tornado- tornadoes have been touching down in towns nearby Beaver Falls. He's more concerned about the fact that his article has been rewritten, so he calls his editor to find out what's going on with that. I'm like, really, George? Marcia just told you there have been tornadoes spotted, and you're concerned about your column. Seriously? Or your article. So while George is on the phone with his editor, Belvedere tells the kids in the kitchen, like, hey, if there's any more news on the tornadoes, let me know. I'm going to go hang out in my room for a bit. So as George is, finally he gets off the phone with his editor and says that it turns out his article was sent in with all these changes already made. He totally bypasses that. Marshall's like, honey, we we're really worried about you. He's like, oh, really? Yeah. Anyway, about this article, George. And right as he's discussing, talking about this with her is when Belvedere crosses into the room. And George, of course, Belvedere, Belvedere is right in George's, George's crosshairs. Sorry if I feel kind of mumbly or something I Woke up about an hour or so ago, so my mouth is trying to get back into, uh, working. (laughs) So, as Belvedere passes George to get, um, you know, head up the stairs, George says, his editor told him he's never seen such beautiful grammar, and both Marcia and George turned their heads to look as Belvedere heads up the stairs. Hmm, grammar. Who does that sound like in this house? Sounds like Belvedere. Now, I understand. You know, I do agree with George. Belvedere, really, he had no right to go and change that column without George's permission, because that's his, for his job. But, I mean, more than likely, a uh, editor would have, or whoever, would have went over George's copy and made what changes needed to be made as far as punctuation and maybe some grammar goes. But, I mean, because they're not just going to hand off your paper and just, you know, print the article right away without making sure everything's legit, that it's where everything is where it needs to be. So Belvedere's still there on the stairs as George heads over to the coat rack. He's pulling his tie off, he's pulling his suit off and everything, and George is kind of baiting Belvedere. He's like, he knows Belvedere was the one behind this, and everything's like, he's basically baiting him, saying, like, wow, I don't know who could have done that. And Belvedere has got the biggest grin on his face, and he finally admits, you know, that was me. I, I actually made those changes. So Belvedere says to George... He's like, well, you told me to put things in order. And George tells him, well, I meant my papers. I didn't mean for you to rewrite the whole thing. And while they're arguing, Heather comes in and says, there's a tornado coming, like, right for us. And, of course, things couldn't be more heated before between George and Belvedere, so this is not going to go well when they're all cooped up in the basement. But I'm going to play this clip, and I'll be right back. Tornado.
2: Yeah, one was landed in Franklin Park and totaled a record store. <laughs> George, that's five miles from here.
0: Care to step outside? <laughs> A little. go.
1: So that's it, everybody. You got to hear how unprepared the Owenses are when facing a tornado. I take it they've never had to deal with one ever in their lives because they're scrambling around, which is, you know, panic-inducing. In a way, you're freaking out. You're trying to remember all the things you need to do. They didn't know anything about, they thought you had, George thought, oh, you shut the windows, spell, but he was like, no, you opened them. And, you know, Heather, Wesley, what, I I get that you're fascinated, guy. I get that you're fascinated by watching the neighbor's lawn chairs flying across in front of your house, but standing outside when there's high winds, you're going to get sucked out of your doorway by that tornado. As Marsha, like, grabs Wesley, Wesley, get out of the doorway. You are going to get sucked away by the tornado. So they're preparing for the end of the world here, and George is still on Belvedere about the whole, you must think you're blah, 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 because you're, you know, the housekeeper and everything, you put things in order and everything, but when it comes to my job and my work, you just need to leave that stuff to me. It's like, George, a tornado is headed your way, and you're worried about your damn column. Forget about it. It's done. It's over. He knows he won't touch your future articles. Don't worry about it. And Marjo finally comes up to George. Like, guys, can we please not do this here? We got a, a tornado is headed our way. We need to get to the basement. So George orders everyone in the basement. Heather's like, Mom, can I make a phone call? A fox fi- phone call? Heather, no, you, no, no, sweetie, you can't do that. So she's like, oh, well, can I try smoking? Because I'm like really stressed out. No. Oh my goodness, girl. So Kevin rushes in and asks, like, hey, aren't we supposed to do something so the house doesn't explode? And... What he's actually Belvedere, correctly, yes, the gas, you need to turn off the gas so the house doesn't explode. And then also, the windows, George thinks you're supposed to keep them closed, when in fact, no, Belvedere says, no, you need to open them, so that way the air just kind of flows through it, and the windows don't blow. Well, Kevin asks this to Marcia, and Marcia's looking at George, like, I don't know, are we supposed to? And George is like, yeah, we're, uh, Belvedere's like, looking at the family, like, you get you all are so unprepared. It's, now, billionaires from England. Now do they I don't think they get do they get tornadoes? I don't think they do. I could very well be wrong though. So Marcia and Heather take the stairs. Uh Marcia's going upstairs to one set of bedrooms. Heather's going to the other to open all the windows. George heads to the kitchen, opens the window in front of the sink. Kevin's outside, he closes it. George opens it again, and Kevin closes it. George opens it and says, hey, what are you doing? Get your ass inside! I mean, (laughs) why is Kevin closing it to begin with? First of all, um, Belvedere said you gotta keep them open. Why are you closing them? We move to the living room where Wesley and Belvedere are trying to get the windows open in the little alcove area, and they're stuck. I just thought maybe they're locked, but they would have thought of that. So, Belvedere takes a coat rack and takes the end part and slams it through the windows, and Wesley helps. Of course, that's when Marcia comes down and yells at Wesley, like, Wesley, why did you do this? Like, well, the windows wouldn't open. You want them open, right? So Heather comes down the stairs. She has got an armload of posters, stuffed animals. That might be a blanket? All her favorites. Marshall's like, what is all this crap? And Heather's like, oh, it's all my favorite stuff. It comforts me. Gosh. I have so many books. I mean, I could bring my nook down to the basement. Hopefully it'd be full, it should be fully charged. Um... My phone, definitely. I won't be able to charge it. Um What else? Oh Quinn in London, of course. Jeremy he they'd all be down there with me. Um and just some books photo album. I have one photo album that's got my baby pictures in it and stuff like that. Um my DVDs. Oh my gosh, guys, I don't know. What would you take down to the basement if you were going to if there was a tornado headed your way, what were some or some of the items that you would take into your basement with you? I mean, I get where she's coming from. I mean, yeah, you want a little something to make you... F- oh, I think... It's not a blanket. I think it's a like a flannel-type shirt. So, Marshall's like, did you remember to open your window? And Heather's like, I can't remember everything. She's like, go open your damn window! Girl... <laughs> So, after Heather runs upstairs, Wesley is back in the damn doorway, and George comes in and is like, alright, let's go, everyone, in the basement, in the basement, and Marshall's like, Wesley, why are you back in the doorway again? He's like, oh, I'm waiting for the pizza. No, 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 they're not going. Pizza delivery people are not going to be traveling when there is a tornado outside, so, George, uh, George, Heather, Marsha, and Wesley all come through the door into the kitchen while Kevin is getting um, jugs of water ready to go to take down to the basement with them. So, George and the family get into the basement as Belvedere's got the jugs of water and he goes to open the door across from the basement to leave that open george slams the door in belvedere's face like see ya bye and then belvedere's just standing here like what the fuck?" and george opens it like let's go let's go come on so we flash down to the basement and everybody's in the corner and george is like uh why are we just hanging out here in the corner (laughs) so wesley of course tells him well mr belvedere said we got to stand in the southeast corner Because it's the safest area. This basement, (laughs) Belvedere is just chilling on the couch there reading a book. Now this, I love the faux wood. It's really, really pretty. I just, Just the whole thing, you know, there's couches and chairs and a coffee table. It's basically just set up like a little rec room and they have a pool table down there. Unlike our basement, that's not a finished basement and is basically just a cement, uh, just your average creepy basement, where I'd be sitting on the dirty, dusty floor. I'm sorry, they don't have the radio down there with them, so they can kind of hear updates on the storm and everything? I mean, are they supposed to guess? His Velveteer's like, well, the tornado hasn't arrived yet. You'll know when it happens. Or, or, when it's right on top of you? <laughs> uh. So George just turns back to the family in the corner and says, Everyone, just chill out and hang out for a bit. It's cool. Just relax. And I'm going to play this clip.
0: Why are we
2: all standing here like this? Mr. Belvedere said to stand in the southeast corner because it's the safest. (laughs) I'm
0: sitting over there because I'd rather die than look that silly. The tornado hasn't arrived yet. You'll know when. Yeah, so
2: everyone just relax. I mean, take it easy.
0: We're fine down here.
2: Your father's right. There's nothing to worry about. Let's see if the TV works. Don't go too far. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the family kind of just spreads out down there and just hangs it for a bit. Um I love how Wesley is kinda of saying, What do you think of my dad's bar here? It's like he's yeah, he's got a bar set up, like a little tiki bar with stools and everything. He's And uh, Mr. is like, oh, nice. And he makes a joke about a sacrifice or something like that. It's like, it's a cute little tiki bar like you'd see like in Hawaii or something like that. It's really nice. I didn't even know it was even there. Wesley is just running around showing Belvedere, because Belvedere's probably never been down to the basement. And Wesley's just so proud to show off all his dad's cool stuff. There's a colored sign that's sitting on the tiki board, the, the bar of the tiki area. Um, it says, Dad's pad when Mom's mad. Oh, I just saw that. That's kind of cute. Oh, Wesley points out this clock that says that the bar opens at 5, and he makes a point of showing how all the numbers are 5. <laughs> I'm going to play this clip of uh, Wesley here, kind of showing off his dad stuff.
0: time's the sacrifice. Look
2: at this. See? Bar opens at five and it's all fives.
0: All oh, fives. Neat.
2: Dad decorated this all by himself, didn't you, Dad?
0: Yep. All by myself. You like it? Oh, it's quite impressive. It's hard to imagine someone doing all this without seeking professional help. <laughs>
1: So, in the next scene, uh, the kids are bored. They've obviously been down there for a while. And they do have the uh, radio playing, so they know, you know, the update on the tornado. Kevin's just kind of pushing a pool ball into, you know, watching and knocking to others. Like, they're really bored. (laughs) So, they may live in Beaver Falls, but they live in Allegheny County, I believe the reporter says. And even though there have been no sightings, that the warning still is in effect. I mean, eventually when it, they're just down there until they get the all clear, like, the warning's been lifted, so they don't have to hang out down there. Because that, uh, that's got to be boring. I thought Kevin said there was a TV down there. Allegheny County. Okay, that's what it is. So, Heather turns the radio off and Wesley's like, "Dang, the tornado is never going to get here." And George, like, "Yeah, where the hell is that?" It? It's like they're waiting for something to happen. The Belvedere's just like, "Uh, oh, you guys, you guys, uh So, I want to play this clip here. The Family, family's getting a little restless right now. They've been down there, I'd say they've been down there for what, maybe a half hour, maybe an hour?
2: Although no new sightings have been reported, the warning remains in effect throughout Allegheny County. We now return to the soothing sounds of WUVV Pittsburgh. Cash, the tornado's never gonna come. Yeah, where the hell is it? <laughs> Mom, can I go back upstairs? No. Well, then I'm gonna put on my dran-dran tapes. Then I'm going back upstairs. <laughs> I'm still hungry. Hungry? You've been eating ever since we got down here, you little wanker Hey,
0: guys, come
2: on. I mean, I know it isn't much fun being cooped up down here, but let's try to make the best of it, okay? Okay. I have some more potato chips?
0: No, no so mine. You've had your rest.
2: Yeah, some.
0: have a bullion <laughs> Last. <laughs>
2: right. How do you stay so calm, Mr. Belvedere? You know, sit there and read like that.
0: Well, actually, I have something of an advantage over the rest of you. I've been confined like this before. Leavenworth? <laughs> <laughs> no, London, during the Blitz. You mean you were there when they were dropping all those bombs? Oh, actually, I had quite a few close calls.
1: But somehow I came through it unscathed. Well, by Jill we have we been studying the Blitz in history?
0: Ah, well if you're really interested, nothing compares with the on-the-spot reports of Edward Armado. Now there was a real journalist. You rewrite him too?
2: <laughs>
0: no, I was busy helping Churchill.
2: <laughs> he wanted
0: to say, we'll meet them at the seashore. I suggested on the beaches. The other way sounded too nice. <laughs>
2: Game with your
1: father. Five, good. <laughs> so yeah, the family's really getting restless. Heather wants to go upstairs, but Marshall's like, no, sweetie, you gotta stay down here. It's not safe up there. She And Heather's like, fine, I'll put on my Duran Duran tapes. And then Kevin's like, you know what, then I'll go up back upstairs. Like, he doesn't want to hear Duran Duran. Especially if he's probably heard of them a thousand fucking times. Like, Wesley's complaining about being hungry, and Heather's like, you ate like everything. You've been eating since we got down here, which have probably been down there for the better part of an hour. And <laughs> she calls him a pig and Wesley's all like, <coughs> like, uh, K- kids, come on. I know you're like at each other's throats. They got a blender down there. Oh, that's right. Probably make like margaritas and mojitos and whatnot. So Marge kind of voices, you know, what's Clearly going on. It's like, yeah, it's not fun being cooped up down here. I get it, but let's just try to make the best of it. It's like, eh, really? At least I got stuff to do. Well, kind of. I mean, by 1985, standards, reading books, which is cool. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm a big reader and everything like that. But even that, after a while, is going to wane on you. So, Wesley decides, like, they got a cardboard box on the coffee table, along with the two, uh, gallon jugs of water, and Wesley pulls out some tater chips, and is like, you know, I'm gonna have some more chips. Belvedere takes it out of his hand, like, At that, 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 you've had your ration, boy. Like, no more for you. Here. He pulls out, I thought it was a peanut, but Belvedere pulls out a bouillon cube. Man, they I thought they would have had a smidge of time to pull what they could from the pantry. They got chips and a bouillon cube. ay ay ay. So I like how Heather kind of remarks on how Belvedere is, like, being, like, really calm. Like, how do you stay so calm in a situation like this? And Belvedere tells him, he's like, you know, I've had practice before being confined like this. Um and he mentions you know the Blitz in London and everything and that's when Kevin is interested it's like oh really I mean because we're studying that in, in school right now in history and it's just it's interesting to get a personal account of uh like someone that was there during a certain historical event you're basically. Yeah, you got your textbooks, but to get a personal account of somebody that was there during that time that can tell you what it felt like, you know, what you saw, what, you know, everything like that. And Belvedere kind of recommends somebody who had written a a book about his experience during the Blitz and everything like that. And George, of course, quips on, oh, did you rewrite his book also or something like that? Like, no, 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 I didn't. And George is kind of syncing up his uh cue stick to play pool, and Marcia suggests to Wes, like, hey, why don't you go play pool with your dad? And Wes is like, yeah, but he's too good. You know, that's probably what I feel about when Jeremy asks to, like, eh, play a video game with me. It's like... What did we, recently I we were doing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, game and we didn't even make it halfway to the halfway point before I'm like, "Uh, I don't want to play anymore. I don't even think we are a half hour into playing the game. It's like, I work with my hands, I don't need to have blisters on my thumbs. And Jeremy's like, oh, how did you, what kind of childhood did you have? Because I didn't grow up with the NES. I didn't grow up with the game system. Sure, my grandparents had one, but I think eventually I probably got broke down the road. Um, I remember Super Mario Brothers I might have played a little. I never played enough to beat the game, though. I mean, all that repetitiveness of, like, if you die, you gotta start all the way from the beginning, it's just, it's a lot of wasted time. I'm not a big video game person. The only game I actually played and beat was, PS2's Simpsons Road Rage, because Jeremy hadn't beat it, I'm like, here's something I can beat, something I could do that Jeremy hasn't done yet, and I spent hours upon hours, this was, when was this? This was probably 14 years ago, probably back in 2004 when I did this. So Belvedere, uh, George suggests that he and Belvedere play game of pools. Like, oh yeah, tensions are already high. I think they're high on George's end. I think Belvedere's just kind of annoyed with these little quips. It's like, he knows he did wrong. George, you gotta at some point let this go. But the tension, there's always going to be tension between Belvedere and George because that's how George sees it. He doesn't like being usurped by another man in his house. He's always trying to put Belvedere in his place. I mean, aside from Belvedere and Wesley's relationship, which is a cute little love-hate relationship, then you got him and George, Belvedere and George's relationship, which is solely based on tension and just uh, that. So I'm going to play this clip of George asking Belvedere if he wants to play pool and kind of their little rundown of how things are going to go in the game.
0: You're being modest. But you're a real hotshot. I bet you rewrote the book. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Say, you flatter me. Want to play a game? We'll play to 100. All right. Now, are we playing just for fun, or are there higher stakes? Why don't we just wait and see
2: who wins?
1: speaking of pool tables, when Jeremy and I bought the house, there was a pool table um, in the basement. It wasn't the greatest. It did not look as good as the one that George and Belvedere are playing on right now. It was serviceable. There, um, wasn't the greatest looking thing, but we paid separately for uh, the pool table. And I only remember, I never played the thing. I never played it. Um, and, I mean, the thing itself was in rough shape, and I think Jeremy and his, the one time his brother had come up to Michigan, um, they played it once, and we've been in the house almost ten years, not quite ten years, and... After while, it just sat down there, it's like it got to the point where I was just like putting boxes on top of it because Jeremy would never go down there and play it. There's this really cool like lamp thing that you'd usually see like in a bar that you know, a glass lamp that usually they hang around like the pool table for light. That thing did not work, and um, it was probably an electrical issue. But finally, I'm like, we need to get this pool table out of here. I don't want it. It's taking up space. I really honestly wish we had never paid what we paid for it because it was a piece of crap and only got used once. So I had taken a picture of it, put it on Facebook, and a cousin of mine, you know, we weren't selling it because it was garbage. And um, I just said, whoever wants it gets it and you got to come and take it out of here yourself. And I was working the night that I guess my cousin and her husband had come over to get the pool table. So good riddance. Ugh. Worst thing we ever got that we didn't need. So Belvedere, uh, breaks up the cue balls there and he sinks three balls and Wesley sure amazed, like, wow, you sunk three balls on your first hit. So Belvedere's up again and sinks another shot, and Heather's like, hey, Kev, what's the score? And Kevin says it's fifty-two to seven in Belvedere's favor. So Belvedere is basically kicking George's ass at pool, and of course, this isn't sitting well with George. He's trying to keep a Happy, like, it's not bothering me face, but you know George, it's bothering him. I want to play this little clip between Heather and Kevin kind of talking about, uh, the first they're kind of talking about the score with the pool game and everything between George and Belvedere, and Heather's like, who's going to win, you think, and Kevin's like, oh, Belvedere, if he lives and then Heather's like, Oh, you mean if we live? So he's like reminding him again, like, why we're down here because of the tornado and everything. And then Heather says something about if we die I'm gonna die innocent, as in she's never had sex before. Heather, you're talking about this to your older brother. This is kind of gross. But I wanna play this clip. What's the
2: score? Fifty two to seven. Mr. Boveneer's favorite. He's gonna win. If he lives. You know what that means? If we go, I'm going to go innocent. I mean, it would be like Brooke Shields died in the first part of the Blue Lagoon and missed that good party. Come on, what are you worried about, you nut? Everything's going to be okay. You think so? Sure. Thanks, Kev. Please let me live.
1: Tells her Heather, it. Don't worry, it's gonna be just fine. We're gonna live. <laughs> that will be. F- Cause Heather brings up the whole thing in uh, Brooke Shields and Blue Lagoon, like her. Uh, if she had died before she got to the great part, hence the sex with uh, what next? The the A guy's name, Christopher something or other, curly blonde-haired dude. Yeah, I've seen that movie. Let <laughs> me. Gonna- I like Kevin kind of being the big brother here and putting a comforting arm around Heather and just saying, Heather, it's going to be okay. And she's like, you think so? And he's like, yeah, it's going to be fine. She gets up, walks away, and Kevin looks heavenward and asks, please, let me live. Now we go back to the pool game and Belvedere has sunk another ball. So Marcia, ever the comforting, supportive wife has her hands on George's shoulders, you know, kind of rubbing them, just kind of rub, trying to rub the stress out. And she's like, oh, George, don't worry. Honey, you're going to make it. It's going to, you're going to win. You'll catch, And basically, you'll catch up because Belvedere is probably at 60 and George is at seven. So she's like, oh, you'll catch up. He's like, not now, baby, not now. (laughs) Like, you're disrupting my flow. So I'm going to play this clip here of them, uh, playing pool together for a moment.
0: That one just made it. Oh, just.
2: Oh, don't worry, honey, you'll catch up.
0: Not now, baby, not now. Seven ball side pocket. hard oh. cheese, old chap. I'm afraid I haven't left too much of a shot, Slick. Three ball, corner pocket. Have a seat, Fats? <laughs> I could be here for a while. Fourteen ball. Same box
2: 97 to 96, Mr. Belvedere.
0: Doing quite well, George. I like calling the shots. Don't we all? Sometimes we can't. Sometimes ain't good enough. Sometimes is for losers. What
2: the hell are they talking about? I don't know, but if Mr. Belvedere corrects Dad's grammar, it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> if Mr. Belvedere wins, is Dad in a fly room? No, of course not, honey. What's the difference? If Dad wins, Mr. Belvedere will probably quit or jump off a bridge or something. <laughs> Kids, these are grown men just playing a game. Stop,
0: <laughs> <Dead! laughs> <laughs> 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 Tough stuff, Green Puff. <laughs> <laughs> this won't take long. <laughs> <laughs> That's 98. Six-ball corner pocket. 99. Hey here You make the next shot. You win. And what exactly do I win, George? I don't know. A trip. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't worry. Because I don't think you're gonna make it anyway. Well, well, no, not a second moment. Eight ball corner pocket.
2: think it's coming. The tornado's here, oh God. All right, everybody into the corner. George, you have to stop with your two. you're so lucky. Oh,
0: you're lucky.
2: Are you, Come
1: in. <laughs> <laughs> so even though George was like way behind. He he was able to catch up really quick. Now it's like neck and neck, 96 to 97. And the thing is, I I don't really know anything about pool, but I'm guessing you call the uh, ball that you're gonna try to sink into a hole before you. Is that how that works? So Marcia and the kids are just kind of watching this game the very towards the very end as Belvedere is at, like, 97. They're really, they're neck and neck because the goal is to get to 100, 100 shots. And Belvedere and George are just kind of, you know, trading insults back and forth and this and that. And Marcia just looks at Kevin like, what the hell are they talking about? And Kevin's like, I, I, I don't know, but <laughs> I think the kids, uh, Wes and Heather are like, if Mr. Belvedere wins, is dad going to fire him? And Marsh just like, no, no, kids, this is just a game between two grown men. Yeah, well, started off that way. Although George has been on a power trip since he got down there, as and he keeps wanting to put Belvedere in his place for writing that article, or rewriting his article and everything. And then, Belvedere is, like, a shot away from making a 100 shots. And that's when the pool table starts to shake, and Wesley's like, oh no, the tornado! It's like, almost for a second, you forget while they're down there. They almost forget why they're down there. Because they're so wrapped up in this pool game, and watching this and everything, that when the tornado is finally... Upon them, that's when, like, oh, my God, everybody! The tornado's here! We have to get in the corner. And Marcia's like, George, Velvet, come on! And they all huddle. And then we get a shot of the tornado outside, just footage of a tornado touching down somewhere. And then we, in the next shot, we see the living room. And because they had all those um, windows open, well... You kind of see all this debris strewn around. It's like, because they have the windows open, you know, tree branches and other things are (laughs) probably flying in there. It also looks like some, I mean, the couch is still upright. It looks like a couple pictures on the wall are kind of knocked asunder. They're still up there. The blinds are kind of pushed sideways. But we got a couple uh, items of, uh, Furniture, hardwood furniture there that got knocked down. I'm not sure what that thing is supposed to be. They... Oh, I think they're chairs. And then we also get a shot of the kitchen where, because they had the door open across from the basement, we get this big giant tree branch in there. We also get stuff on the floor, a tipped over what looks like... um a little stool that holds, like, a potted plant or something. That's tipped over on its side. Luckily, the ceiling fan did not break, and so they got lucky there that it was just that. And then we see George slowly emerge from the basement. And he just kind of surveying the damage as he comes out completely out of the basement and just letting everyone know, like, it's all right. The tornado is gone now. We do see the, uh... Ceiling fan, though, it is kind of um, swinging back and forth. So I'm going to play this clip as the Owens come out of the basement and kind of survey the damage that has been done, which it looks really, really minimal. It looks like uh, uh, maybe a couple hours worth of just kind of cleaning stuff up, you know, sweeping and putting everything, you know, uprighting everything that was toppled over.
2: still here.
0: It is here still Pittsburgh.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna check outside for Munch you stay right here. Why? Because <laughs> yes, there could be power lines down or looters or bodies lying in the street. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> Your father will check for that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this place cleaned up. <sighs> yeah, I'll see if the phone works.
0: <laughs> hey Belviner, why don't you start by putting the kitchen in order? Put it in order. Mm-hmm. Your way or mine? Well, that's it, Belvedere. Let's finish this. All right. Look, I remember when this was my home, and they were my family, and this was my life. And then one day you showed up and started sticking your nose in all of them. And you know something? I've come to accept it. <laughs> sure. But when it comes to my job, that's where I draw the line. I mean, that's the one thing i do without you. Alone. I understand. I may not be Edward R. Merle, and what I put down on paper doesn't always come out grammatical, but it comes from my gut, and it's mine. Very well put, sir. Oh yeah. I mean
2: that. You <laughs> <laughs> friends now?
0: Sure, I guess so. No, oh, certainly, Winkley.
2: So why don't you guys finish the game? Wes. I think
0: we'll finish that at another time. Yeah, and in another life.
2: (laughs) Why don't you guys shake hands?
0: Well, I'm willing if you're willing. Oh, happily sir.
1: So the family's in the living room kind of just looking around at the damage and everything like that. Wesley, of course, is like, I want to go outside and check for munchkins. And Marshall's like, you are not going anywhere, young man. You are staying inside. And Kevin starts in about, yeah, there may be down power lines, dead bodies out there, looters. And Marshall's like, thank you, Kevin, for putting that picture in our head. Kevin, you, you always know how to make it more depressing. Or at least give us a real picture of reality of what's waiting outside. Um, things come to a head finally between George and Belvedere. As George tells Belvedere, why don't you go straighten up the kitchen since that's your area of expertise? And then he said, you know, ever since you got here... You've been sticking your nose in business with my family. You know, this used to be my home, my family, and everything like that. And then he's, surprisingly, George says, I've come to accept it. And it's like, okay, he's accepted that Belvedere is, you know, that's his job and everything. But he says, the one thing I will not accept is you butting into my work, which is my business, something that I do alone without your help. And... Belvedere's like, okay, I understand that, and I will leave you to it. I won't ever interfere. And Wesley, you know, he he likes his dad and, and Belvedere. He likes when they get along when they do. And uh, he tentatively asks, you know, are you guys still friends? And it's like, yeah, yeah, they're they're, you know, Belvedere and they're they're solid buddy they're solid um and then Wesley asks, well why don't you uh finish that game and Marshall's like no and of course Belvedere and George are like you know what no we'll do that another time say uh and Belvedere adds like yeah in another life So Wesley says, so if you guys are friends now, then why don't you go shake hands? Of course, George and Belvedere, they go to shake hands, but right before their hands go to touch, they both pull their hands back like, yeah, 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 not going to (laughs) happen. Heather, of course, is like, oh, well, I'm going to use the phone. That's how she's going to help. Like, yes, and if you pick up the phone and get an electric shock, well, then that serves you right. So now we get to hear Belvedere's journal entry of the first tornado with the Owens family and everything, and just saying that everything, even though it seemed broken at first, is now mended.
0: I had my first American tornado today. It didn't really compare to the tsunami that hit us in Jakarta, but it was a nice break nonetheless. (laughs) Fortunately, there was little damage done. Twister left Beaver Falls with its delightful Provincialism still intact. Speaking of Provincialism, George is waiting. He challenged me to a game of skee-ball at the local arcade. Little does he know that I was once known as the Brighton Bomber. I have my own ball.
1: So, Belvedere says he survived his first American tornado. He says, however, it wasn't anything like the tsunami that he once faced. Uh, What do you think, honestly, is going to be worse? A tornado or a tsunami? It's either going to be sucked into the air, or are you going to be plunged into water? I had a dream about that once with, um, like, I was in this house. It was, like, one of those mansion-type houses, and it had, like, a open, um, um, it had an open, uh, thing, and you could see, like, outside, and then all of a sudden, you see this big, tall wall of water, like, coming towards you, and in my dream, it's like, I'm trying to get to higher, you know, a higher point or something in this house, and all of a sudden, the water just, boom, like, floods in to this house, and I can just feel myself, it's like, my head, trying to keep my head above water and everything, and and, and not drowned, and that was kind of, that was like one of those dreams where, um, you wake up suddenly, but, uh, George has still got his competitive streak because he's invited Belvedere to to do the skee-ball thing. And little does George know that uh, Belvedere's got his own personal skee-ball. He is a skee-ball bomber. I guess he was known as the, the bomber back in his day. Like, cool. So if I had to rate this episode on a teacup level, because that is the rating system for the Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere podcast, I would say... Oh, man. I'm gonna give it a three out of five teacups. Um, I liked Wesley's cute little impression of the Wicked Witch of the West. I liked the time between, you know, Heather and Kevin and everything and their little quality time. I liked Belvedere and George at the end finally coming, you know, settling this whole thing with a... The pooled game, as far as, yet, yeah, he didn't win because of the tornado, but he, George was able to say his piece and what was really bothering him, and Belvedere pretty much just said, okay, I, I understand finally where you're coming from, and I promise not to interfere anymore. I like that they finally cleared the air with that, and the fact that George is going to invite Belvedere to go to the arcade to do the skee-ball thing. That's really cool. Um, what I didn't like, I mean, this basically episode was basically all about the big pool game and everything, and being that I don't know a whole lot about pool, I can't really give a play-by-play of that. And that took up the majority of the episode. Um, I <laughs> didn't like the fact that uh, Wesley kept opening the door because he wanted to look outside at the tornado or the high winds and, you know, furniture, neighbors' furniture flying around in front of their house and everything like that. Like, uh eh. I can understand the curiosity of wanting to see that. I remember there's this really bad thunderstorm when I was probably eight or nine around Wesley's age, and, um, we lived on a paved road, but then at the top where our house kind of ended turned into dirt. It's actually all paved now, but I remember... You know, a lot of wind, rain, and everything, and my dad had piled me and my sister, my older sister, in the truck to kind of look at the surveying damage and everything, you know, down, you know, whether down trees and branches and everything like that, and just kind of seeing all the muck. Yeah. Actually, now that I think about it, I think I was on the phone to my friend while all this was happening, because... Dad was telling me, you know, get off the phone. We need to get, uh, we need to keep the line clear. We need to get, you know, bottled water. We need to get flashlights. We need to be like preparing and stuff. I mean, yes, a big thunderstorm's can be scary, especially if the, you know, the high winds and everything and the power going out. Yeah. I mean, the only tornado watch I can really say would have been back in 96 I would have been 14 it was summertime I was at the farm my grandparents house at the time and my grandma had dropped me off my dad was working in one of the fields at the time and there was a tornado watch warning so I just retreated down to the basement and just kind of uh waited it out and everything like that I didn't think it lasted very long long either Um, As far as uh, Mr. Belvedere's biscuit bites, I'm going to go with if you have a tornado warning, the one thing you definitely want to be prepared ahead of time in advance for these. I mean, you know that tornadoes and stuff you can't really tell right away when they're coming, but we have the technology now that we can kind of prepare in advance. In 1985, we didn't have all that stuff. Granted, I would have been three at the time, but even still, uh, just be prepared. Have a emergency plan of where you need to take shelter. Make sure you have, you know, jugs of water so you can flush your toilets in case your power goes out. Um, if, you know, you got your flashlights, batteries, all that good stuff, just make a small little survival kit even, just something like crossword puzzle, or or a book, or, you know, you'd have to read by flashlight and stuff like that, or, or just something in general. So, Season 2, episode, episode 2, Tornado, was the first George-centered episode for the month of April. Next week, we will be doing Season 2, Episode 7, entitled Vows, which aired on November 8th, 1985. George and Marcia renew their wedding vows, however... Kevin, this is a Georgia Marsh episode, but Kevin has a side plot where he sees uh, his parents' marriage license doesn't add up with Kevin's birth date. So he discovers a secret about his parents that he did not know that doesn't sit very well with him. So the month of May is coming up, and we have three. Remaining characters to go through. Basically, what's left is the three Owens children Kevin, Heather, and Wesley. So for Kevin, we have season two, episode six The Contract. Season 2, Episode 20, The Amish. For Heather, we have Season 2, Episode 3, Cheerleader. And Season 2, Episode 19, Heather's Tutor. And for Wesley, we have Season 2, Episode 4, Requiem. And Season 2, Episode 16, Wesley's Friend. Now, this episode, Wesley's Friend, is probably one of the most famous, aside from the uh, Camp Counselor Station episode. In season four, Wesley's friend about the boy who has HIV or AIDS. Um, that is one that everyone knows all about that episode. So I'll put that up on the Instagram page and for Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere as well as the Looking Back on My Wonder Years podcast page as well, so that way you guys have a chance to vote and. I figure if no one votes, I'll just kind of pick myself, so, uh, other than that, that is pretty much it, everyone have a happy, safe weekend, I don't know what the weather is looking like for you, but for us, today and tomorrow, it's not good, we are getting rain, freezing rain, ice, all of that stuff, so... I will be back next week with the last George episode for the month of April, Season 2, Episode 7, The Vows. Alright. Bye, everybody.